0: Welcome to Florida Matters. I'm Bradley George. It's a new year, and a new Congress is already at work in Washington. President-elect Joe Biden will be sworn in in a couple of weeks. But here in Florida, state lawmakers won't meet until March. And there will be lots to do when they gather in Tallahassee. At the top of the list, closing a $3 billion shortfall in the state budget. We'll be talking to lawmakers and policy experts over the next couple of months. But first, we wanted to get an overview of what the 2020 session will look like. And for that, we chatted on Zoom with Zach Anderson. He's political editor at the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Zach, starting off going into the legislative session in March, how is this session of the Florida legislature going to be different from, uh, from the ones that have come in the past?
1: Well, I think it's going to be different in the way that all of our lives have been different over the last 10 months or so, and that it's going to be focused a lot on the coronavirus, Um, you know, that really continues to be the dominant issue uh, in our lives and in in public policy. So I think whether it's uh, the impact on the budget or, you know, discussions about um, how state officials handled the pandemic and what uh, they learn from it what they might be able to do better uh going forward i think we're gonna hear a lot of talk about that you know the unemployment system which uh, failed so miserably early on in the in the pandemic i think you'll you'll see some discussion about that and uh, ways to possibly reform that and and make sure that it works more smoothly going forward if we ever have such a huge crush of uh, people needing unemployment uh, assistance um you know the budget is probably going to be the dominant Issue, though. Um, you know, there, there's uh, the pandemic really uh, took a huge hit on the economy and that really uh, hurt tax revenues for the state. So lawmakers have uh, a tough task to try and balance uh, the budget and, and uh, not hurt the economy and, and not hurt uh, vital services. Uh, you're going to see you know, discussions around uh, everything from, I think, education funding to things like the unemployment system funding, things like uh, relief. Uh, and I'm sure there's some people that would still like to supplement some of the federal relief efforts that have been going on. Medicaid is a huge, huge issue. There's been a lot of more people who have signed up for medicaid as their economic circumstances uh, have worsened uh, and they've qualified for government health insurance uh, and that most of that uh, medicaid funding is paid for by the federal government but the state still has to you know chip in some and the state's share just of the increase in Medicaid is is over a billion dollars, and so there's talk about trying to potentially cut some of those benefits or figure out a way to you know save money uh, in the Medicaid program. So I, I think the, the somewhat dire budget circumstances are really going to be the most dominant issue in the legislative session.
0: So we'll get into those issues one by one as we, as we go along here, but I want to start kind of looking big picture at the, at the leadership in the legislature. The new House Speaker is Chris Sprouls, who is from Pinellas County. The new uh, Senate President is Wilton Simpson from Pasco County. How does it sort of change the political center of gravity to have the two top lawmakers from the Tampa Bay region versus having folks from South Florida or Orlando or North Florida?
1: Yeah, it's somewhat unusual to have both the Speaker of the House and the Senate President be from the same region, and so. Tampa Bay is, you know, potentially poised to benefit from that, you know, somewhat. Usually lawmakers like to, you know, have some hometown love in, in the budget. Uh, you know, you, you saw, for example, outgoing uh, Senate President Bill Galvano. He's from Manatee County. And, and you know, he did bring some money uh, for road projects and, and other uh, local projects in the Manatee and, and Sarasota Area now that was under uh, a much better economic circumstances. I, I think it will be more difficult for you know some of those earmark funds, uh, and even if they do get into the budget, as possible DeSantis could veto them. So I'm not sure that the Tampa Bay region might might benefit uh, funding wise as much as it would under other circumstances, but. It does kind of bring a focus uh, to some of those institutions, things like the University of South Florida or Moffitt or other institutions that potentially could benefit and and also will put a a spotlight on the issues that are important to those uh, lawmakers. Um, you know, Simpson is a is a farmer who is you know who has supported the agriculture community. Sprouls is a former prosecutor who is you know interested in criminal justice issues, among other things. So um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of priorities uh, they put forward.
0: And of course, the other big political change this year is is a new administration being sworn in in Washington. Governor Ron DeSantis, of course, has been a a very outspoken supporter of President Trump. And and really, it was President Trump who kind of made him in terms of the governor's race with his endorsement. How do you expect the DeSantis administration to work with the uh, the incoming Biden administration?
1: Yeah, like you said, I mean, I don't think there's a, a governor in the entire nation who is more closely tied to President uh, Trump than DeSantis. So it's going to be a bit of an awkward pivot for him to uh, working uh, with Biden. Obviously, you know, Trump has, has resisted, uh, you know, giving up power. He's, he's fighting the results of this election down to the end. And, and he's really, you know, taking aim at any Republicans who who go against him. And so you've seen DeSantis, you know, not really welcoming the new Biden administration, not even really acknowledging them. And so it's, it is going to be a bit of an awkward uh, relationship, probably at first. I think that tension will continue. And, you know, it's It's not uncommon when you have a governor of one party and a president of another party for it to be a somewhat adversarial relationship. Uh, You saw Rick Scott and President Obama were often at odds. Um, There's not a lot of incentive for DeSantis to really make nice with Biden politically you know his base is kind of antagonistic towards Biden and uh, you know many do uh, buy into the conspiracy theories that this there was a a widespread election fraud and that Biden isn't a legitimate president so they don't want to see DeSantis get uh, friendly with Biden and I think we'll see uh, DeSantis being happy to criticize Biden and, and prove his loyalty to Trump and how that affects you know things that are important to the state of Florida remains to be seen
0: So moving back to the legislature, Republicans uh, added to their majorities. Of course, they've had uh, they've had comfortable majorities uh, in both chambers. Uh, The GOP picked up five seats in the Florida House. They picked up one seat in the Florida Senate. Do you expect Republicans to in terms of the way that they exercise that that kind of supermajority power to act differently in this session than they have in the past?
1: Not really. I think we'll see business as usual for the most part. Uh, It's been a pretty conservative legislature for the last few years and and that will continue. You saw things like uh, the sanctuary cities ban, ban on, you know, minors getting uh, abortions without parental consent, um, you know, advance under the legislature in recent years. I think you'll see some, uh, you know, continue to see an appetite for conservative legislation and, You know, the big difference is that, uh, you know, with with uh, super majorities and a greater majority in the Senate, there's less of an uh, opportunity for Democrats to uh, challenge some of these things and and gum up the works. So um, the Republicans haven't had much trouble advancing uh, conservative priorities. and, And this just makes it even easier. And um, and it also, you know, the, their big victories uh, in Florida make it easier for them to redraw the, the legislative and congressional maps when it comes to redistricting. Uh, and so, um, you know, uh, Democrats will, will have less uh, say over that. And it, and it could make it harder for them to win uh, elections if Republicans uh, draw maps that are, you know, more favorable to them.
0: A few weeks ago, we spoke to uh, State Representative uh, Anna Escamani of Orlando, uh, a Democrat, uh, somebody who's seen as a rising star in the party, and and she made it clear that she she wasn't happy with the party leadership in terms of how they performed in the 2020 election. Are we likely to see any of that dissatisfaction kind of play out with how Democrats conduct themselves uh, during this legislative session?
1: It's certainly a big theme for the Democratic Party going forward over the next year in Florida. We're going to see a leadership election this month for a new leader in the state party. That's going to be significant. There is a lot of appetite for change amongst Democrats. They're pretty disappointed, not only in the fact that Trump won the state by a healthy margin, but they have smaller majorities in the state house, the state senate and and. A smaller delegation in Congress from Florida. So it really was sort of a wholesale. Um, you know butt whipping uh, that we saw for Democrats in this this last election and, and so I think there's going to be a lot of debate. Uh, you know I'm not sure exactly how that'll play out in, in, in the legislature. Uh, you know there might be some some jockeying and some you know speeches on the floor of the House and Senate uh, from from folks who might have uh, leadership ambitions, efforts to push some issues uh, or at least get some attention on issues that are important uh, to the Democratic base, but I think you'll, you'll see it
0: play out more uh, in, in this leadership race. You're listening to Florida Matters, and we're talking with Zach Anderson, political editor at the Sarasota Herald Tribune. Our conversation continues in just a moment. This is Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. And we're talking about Florida's 2021 legislative session with Sarasota Herald Tribune political editor, Zach Anderson. So let's move back into to talking about uh, the work of the legislative session. And as you said, the budget's going to be a priority and especially uh, making cuts to the budget. Uh, what programs are ripe for cuts by lawmakers?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, they tend to, you know, cut programs that uh, that don't have as strong of a uh, constituency, don't have, you know, uh, folks with as much influence, um, you know, programs often that, you know, help the poor. Things like Medicaid uh, is probably rife for being cut. You know, things like education you know, there's a lot of vocal proponents of of uh, strong education funding. So I think if there's anything that that could be you know preserved or or, or get minimal cuts, uh, it's likely to be something like education. But things like affordable housing, Medicaid, uh, some of those things could could suffer. Funding for environmental initiatives often is diminished um, during difficult budget years. Although DeSantis, uh, the governor, has uh, advocated for some of that funding, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with that, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see some significant efforts to cut um, the Medicaid program. The state spends an awful lot of money. Uh, a large proportion of its budget goes to things like healthcare funding, specifically Medicaid, so that's when you're looking at areas to, to cut large amounts of money, that, that tends to be one that gets zeroed in on during lean um, budget years.
0: Going back to education, there has been some talk uh, of raising tuition at public colleges. It's remained flat for a number of years. Is that something lawmakers are likely to do, given the fact that they could face uh, pushback in opposition to that from from educators and from students and parents?
1: That seems like a possibility. You know, the, there's been under Rick Scott, the former governor, uh, now U.S. senator, there was he was adamantly opposed to raising tuition and, and really, um, you know, let it be known that he was not going to do it. He, he put people on the Board of Governors, which governs the Florida University system, who shared his philosophy of not raising uh, tuition. He, he really, um, you know, kind of focused on that as a way to hold down costs for people in the state and, and almost equated it to a, like something akin to like a tax increase. But I think with, with Scott in the Senate now, uh, it doesn't seem like DeSantis is antagonistic towards tuition increases as uh, Scott was. And um, I think it, it, it is uh, more likely that you see that as a way to help balance the budget is to um, you know make uh, college and university students pay a little bit more. I don't know if that is something that they'll end up doing, um, but it is certainly a possibility now with uh, Scott not in the governor's mansion uh, anymore. And it is a situation where tuition uh, has not uh, gone up for, you know, uh, about a, a decade now. So, um, you know, it, it is an area where you could argue that, you know, maybe that's something where they, they, they could justify uh, trying to, to get a little bit more money. You can also say, though, that the university experience is not what it was uh, now that you have the coronavirus and the limitations on on uh, campus activities
0: and things like that so pretty much every state is is facing a budget crunch right now of of historic proportions because of the pandemic. Uh, how likely is it do you think that the the biden administration and Congress will uh, offer some kind of stimulus some kind of lifeline to uh, to state and local governments that need it? well
1: that seemed to be the biggest issue in the um, the last uh, negotiations over a coronavirus relief package, and um, the way that they were able to get that package approved was to take out the help for state and local governments. And you saw, you know, the Republicans um, in the Senate and 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 to some degree in the House um, opposed to that. Uh, they they seem to think that it would help blue states more than, than red states uh, like Florida, which, you know, have been more aggressive, I guess, about, uh, you know, cutting budgets and trimming them and, and uh, you know, don't have maybe uh, as large of a budgets. Uh, you know, Florida versus New York. It's a, a different philosophy on, um, you know, spending. And so, you know, Rick Scott, a Florida's U.S. Senator often said that, you know, that would bail out blue states, but it would also benefit, you know, states like. Florida. Florida is projected to have uh, you know, billions in uh, a budget deficit going forward. So, you know, I I think it's still potentially on the table for another round of coronavirus relief. But it shows how difficult it was to get it approved by the fact that they had to take it out to get this this last uh, bill passed. So. We'll see. I mean, it is um, an issue where if, if uh, the state and local governments are cutting spending, if they're laying people off, um, then that could deepen the economic problems that the country has and, and uh, limit um, the ability of Florida uh, and other states and the nation to to climb back from this uh, deep ditch that we've been thrown into.
0: What about options for raising more revenue? We know Republicans aren't fans of tax increases, but I know there has been some talk of either expanding uh, sports betting, sports gaming uh, as, as a revenue source or taxing medical marijuana, which is not uh, taxed currently. Is there much of an appetite for for either of those proposals to, to get through in this session?
1: I think there will certainly be some discussions about it, but, you know, there hasn't been, you know, any efforts like that since back when Charlie Crist was, uh, you know, governor and there was, you know, they raised um, some of the sin taxes, taxes on tobacco and things like that to help balance the budget. It's it's a tough vote for Republicans to take. They worry about getting hit in primary elections from the right, from people accusing them of of raising taxes. So it's pretty difficult politically to do, Um, but there there has been some talk about, like you said, you know, the gambling issue, you know, and that's sponsored by, I I believe, uh, Representative Brandis, a Republican in in the St. Petersburg area, about potentially taxing, uh, you know, legalizing and taxing sports betting. There has been a bill uh, introduced by Republicans to collect uh, taxes uh, on that, that aren't currently being collected for on online purchases. Um, you know, some companies are taxed, others are not. And so some of those purchases are taxed and others are not. And, and um, you know, there's been an argument made that, that you know, that is unfair to brick and mortar retailers and small businesses in Florida. If you don't have, if you're not fully collecting t- taxes on online purchases, but, you know, the, the alternate argument is that, um, you know, those are an increase on taxes on people during, uh, you know, a difficult economic period and that those taxes are being paid by people who might be struggling financially. And, and uh, so I'm, I'm skeptical that that legislation will pass, but, but you never know. Um, and, uh, you know, the more dire the budget circumstances, the more likely that something like that uh, potentially gets a look
0: So another issue that might come up uh, if we go back to November, uh, Florida voters by an overwhelming margin approved this constitutional amendment to raise uh, the state's minimum wage to $15 an hour by 2026. There has been some concern among Democrats that the Republican majority might try to uh, interfere with the the, the process of, of gradually raising the minimum wage. Have you seen any evidence that uh, that there might be some kind of bill or some kind of process to uh, to stall the uh, the increase in the, in the minimum wage? Well, I think the the
1: reason that people are are thinking that um, there could be some effort to undermine the uh, minimum wage amendment is because um, you know the, the Republican majority in the legislature has often you know worked to undermine these amendments that that uh, that they don't like. Uh, you saw it with the amendment uh, that legalized um, medical marijuana—you um, know—that there was efforts to to curb that and put restrictions on it. You saw it with. Um, you know, the felon voting rights uh, amendment where uh, they passed an implementing bill that uh, required felons to pay off all of their fines, fees and restitutions before they could automatically get their voting rights back. So um, and, and you saw it with the environmental um, uh, land purchase amendment where there was uh, an effort to um, you know, change how that was implemented by the legislature. And, and uh, so it, it's happened repeatedly. Uh, I haven't seen details as to anything emerging um, in terms of undermining the the minimum wage amendment or trying to uh, somehow, um, you know, affect how that is implemented. But it it wouldn't be surprising based on the legislature's track record of, uh, you know, kind of going back and trying to uh, reshape some of these amendments that were approved by voters.
0: Uh, we had a pretty flawless election in November compared to other states. Do uh, do lawmakers in the Republican majority want any kind of changes to voting procedures or, or election law?
1: I haven't I haven't heard that. You know, there is a lot of talk about that uh, in other states um, and, and at the national level about, you know, how how you implement things like um, mail ballots, um, you know how how widespread that type of voting should be, and um, you know other other types of election reforms. Florida has had uh, absentee ballots. For decades, um, you know, they they were used uh, without any issues here in, in the state during the last election. Um, you know, Florida it was in the unusual position of, of, of not having any issues, as you mentioned. I mean, usually the state tends to, um, you know, be known for election dysfunction. We saw three statewide recounts in 2018 and, uh, concerns about, uh, vote counting and, and, uh, ballot design and, and, um, how the recount system worked in Florida. Obviously we had the 2000 election, um, which put a lot of attention on the state and sort of the, uh, dysfunction here, but this, this last election, Florida was in the, um, position of, of being able to, to point to, uh, the state as a, as a model, Uh, you know, and DeSantis, the governor really boasted about that. I think he was pretty happy to see no major problems. Um, So I don't, I don't know. Um, You know, it it is something where things that happen in other States, if it's a, you know, kind of a model ordinance, um, you know, that Republicans are are trying to push in other States, oftentimes it does um, trickle down uh, to Florida. We we've seen that in the past, um, you know, with election issues, but it, you know, the fact that Florida didn't have any real problems this cycle, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if nothing um, really happens on that front.
0: Something else Governor DeSantis has talked about is uh, been called anti-mob legislation, but it would really target protesters, the kind of protest that we saw uh, last summer uh, following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. Critics say uh, it would essentially criminalize many forms of, of protests. There was talk that, that that legislation might have come up back in November when uh, lawmakers met for their organizational session. It didn't. Is that something that's going to be a priority? Or are we going to see that uh, come up during the during the session? DeSantis has said
1: it's a priority, and and when he ro- he rolled it out, he said that he wanted every. Uh, everybody who's running for office in the state to take a position on it, and he he seemed eager to advance it. You know, he he rolled it out at a time when it seemed like he was trying to, you know, he was getting a lot of criticism over his coronavirus response, and it was seemed like he was trying to change the narrative um, a little bit and maybe score some points with his base, who was very concerned about um, some of the lawlessness and looting and property destruction that had followed in the wake of some of these racial justice protests, not necessarily in Florida, but in some other places. And so, um, you know, that that was sort of a high profile issue at the time. And, and he seemed to be interested in sort of, um, you know, kind of uh, grabbing onto that and getting some attention for it. I don't know how big of a priority it will be for him this session, but I assume that it, he's going to stick with it. Uh, and I think it'll be a pretty pretty big debate uh, like you said a lot of a lot of people a lot of Democrats especially but I've talked to some Republicans who have concerns about the bill and concerns that it would uh, restrict people's civil liberties you know I mean the right to peaceably assemble and uh, protest and express your grievances against the the government is a a pretty sacred right in this country. And, and um, I think there are, there are some concerns that this would go too far in terms of um, limiting what people could do in terms of peacefully protesting. Uh, you know, it would make it a felony to, to block the street. Um, for example, during a protest, we saw a lot of these protests where people were marching down the middle of the street um, some of them with, with police here in Sarasota, um, they had the police actually helped and, and blocked off the streets to make sure that you know, there wasn't problems with protesters uh, you know, coming into conflict with uh, cars and traffic and things like that. So under DeSantis' bill, you know, that would be illegal if you, if you blocked a street during a protest. I mean, it already is illegal, but he would make it a, a felony and, and you know, it was already overlooked um, during a lot of these protests. But, um, you know, there, there was other provisions in that bill that, that people said, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, cracking down on, on if there was any property destruction uh, in a protest of more than a, a handful of people that, that you would have pretty serious penalties. And, and um, you know, I'm not sure, you know, if the bill does advance that it would include uh, that it would advance in its current form because it, it does seem like there is some bipartisan concerns about it.
0: What else are you keeping an eye on in this legislative session? Um, you know, we've touched on a,
1: a lot of the big issues, um, but, you know, there, there is a chance that uh, water quality could continue to um, get some attention. Um, you know, we haven't seen big red tide blooms uh, so far this year, but there has have been some smaller, um, patchier blooms, um, and uh, that, that's always an issue that sort of lingers out there uh, that people have a lot of concerns about, you know, if, if you have the, the devastation that's been wrought by this virus, if you put something like red tide, uh, on top of that, or other algae blooms in the Caloosahatchee and St. Lucie rivers, that, that could be really devastating for the economy. So I wouldn't, wouldn't be surprised to see, um, you know, some, uh, continued attention to things like water quality, um, I think um, one interesting thing will be whether these toll roads that were um, approved uh, under the previous legislative leadership continue. Um, They were very controversial, uh, opposed by many environmental groups. Um, You know, for people who didn't follow that closely, uh, the legislature approved three new toll roads, one that would go from the Lakeland area down to Naples, um, one that would extend uh, the Suncoast Parkway uh, north of Tampa, all the way up past I-10 to the Georgia border, and another that would uh, connect—you uh, know, kind of a connector road—and these are really viewed by environmentalists as sort of roads to to nowhere that um, you know didn't uh, have a lot of uh, need and and that were being pushed to some extent by, you know, road builders and contractors and, um, you know, economic development folks without much proof that there was uh, sort of a demand for these roads. And um, the the new legislative leadership, particularly, uh, there's been discussion that uh, Senate President Wilton Simpson might not be as uh, interested in uh, funding some of these uh, roads. That's kind of what I've heard. So it's not clear that these are are going to continue. And uh, the new legislative leadership and the the fact that the, the budget is, is struggling and that these roads would be uh, expensive could could uh, help environmentalists
0: uh, make their case that these should go away. All right, Zach, thanks so much for joining us today. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Good to be here. That was Zach Anderson, political editor at the Sarasota Herald Tribune. And you can find coverage of Florida politics, including issues in the upcoming legislative session at WUSFnews.org. That's our show for this week. Denora Prevost is our producer. I'm Bradley George. Thanks for listening to Florida Matters, and I hope you'll join us again next week.